Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes, where we discuss the history of the New York Yankees. Again, my name is Brian, and I have been a die-hard Yankees fan since I was 7 years old. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes show is, as always, to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. Today's episode is on how the Yankees started um, their franchise and became the New York Yankees. So let's go back to 1900 when Ban Johnson wanted to create the American League from uh, another league that they had back then called the Western League, which was actually just a minor league um, system. So so he, wa- he took this league and he wanted to make it an American League and join it with the National League. Um, so he was he was the founder of the American League anyway, um, it, it, but it took a few years for for the National League to be to basically accept them into the major leagues and kind of form one league, I guess, and start playing World Series games. So anyways, another thing that they didn't want was they didn't want a second New York team in the American League, which, like I said, Ban Johnson uh, wanted. Um, he wanted a New York team because he knew they kind of they wanted to have that market there instead of having it in New York. They had the Baltimore Orioles instead, which um, obviously wasn't New York, but I mean it wasn't that far from New York, of course. So the Baltimore Orioles were originally the New York Yankees. Um, uh, it's not the same. Not I guess I don't think they consider it the same franchise as the current Orioles um, because they came a little bit later. Um, so, anyways, the Baltimore Orioles of the ni- 1900, 1901, 1902 originally were the Yankees, um, and uh, right around 1902, just after that season, they ended up having a peace conference because there were a lot of players and coaches um, be- from before that that played for the Orioles or coached for the Orioles, and they left to go to the New York Giants. Um, so they were kind of really picking the players from the Baltimore Orioles. Um, so in January 1903. Um, there was a peace conference, like I mentioned, with the American League and National League owners, and of course, Ben Johnson being there as well, the um, the the president basically of the American League, um, and he had requested a vote to uh, to move bought the Baltimore team to New York for the American League, and uh, 15 teams ended up voting. 15 out of 16 teams ended up voting uh, for it. The the one team that didn't, I believe, was the New York Giants. Um, because obviously they didn't want to, they didn't know how that would work. They didn't want, they didn't want like to take fans away from going to their games. So, but anyways, it ended up getting voted in, uh, by, by the rest of the owners in the, um, in both leagues. So, um, owners, Frank Farrell and Bill Devery, uh, Bill Devery was a retired police chief in, in, um, in New York city, um, at the time. And uh, Frank Farrell, I believe, was like a land developer or something like that. They bought the Orioles and moved them to New York. And actually, the Yankees did not play in the Bronx, which I didn't realize. They actually played in Manhattan. I believe it was um, in Washington Heights, um, which I'm not too sure if it was called Washington Heights at the time. But uh, anyways, uh, so Frank Farrell and Bill Devery, they bought the uh, Baltimore Orioles for $18,000. And that was in January of 1903, a little bit after the peace conference, I believe. And then uh, March 12th, 1903, they were officially like a major league baseball team. Um, and the American League was officially like officially like a professional league. So um, like I was saying, they played in Manhattan. It was actually in upper Manhattan. And I guess it was in um, Washington Heights anyway. I guess it's in kind of a uh, I mean, I'm not from New York City, so I don't uh, I, I don't I, I wasn't aware of it. 
but I guess it's on kind of a higher ground than the rest of Manhattan, just the way the, the land is kind of laid out. So they called the park was called Hilltop Park. And the New York Yankees were called the New York Highlanders um, based on on, the, on that area that they were in. And I guess it's one of the highest spots in Manhattan as well. So they played at Hilltop Park. They were the New York Highlanders. They had an all-wood park as well. Um, and it was built in six weeks, I guess. Um, I, I guess it, I guess they, they uh, I think it was $200,000 they spent on it, or it was about that, I guess. Um, that's what I had found. I'm not sure if that's 100% accurate. Um, and the, the Hilltop Park was on... 168th Street and Broadway. It was right around there, like I said, Washington Heights area. Um, but it was built in six weeks, and I guess they there was a lot of things that they kind of they kind of rushed. They definitely rushed it. Um, so uh, um, that that kind of comes into play a little bit later. But so their team name, like I said, was the New York Highlanders. And but they did have a, quite a few other nicknames though. Um, so of course, like they were they were kind of uh, was, they were a new team and. Fans were probably, I mean, there was a lot of different opinions about having a second team in New York. Um, some nicknames were the New York Americans, and uh, Hilltop Park, I guess, used to be called American Park as well. Um, but another nickname they had was Intruders. Probably a big part of that, I'm sure, is because of the New York Giants. And, you know, they really didn't want to have another team in New York. And there were probably a lot of other fans that really felt that same way because they're kind of like traditionalist and baseball's kind of always had that traditionalist side. Um, so they used to call them intruders. I guess the, the person that had called, called them intruders actually worked for the Evening Journal newspaper. Um, and there was a, another nickname, of course, the Yankees, um, which started in 1904, um, the year after the Yankees, um, after or the New York Highlanders, rather. Um, that That's when uh, there was a guy named... Uh, Jim Price, who was a New York press sports editor, um, and he first dubbed the Yankees the Yankees, um, but they weren't officially called the Yankees until later. But he first used the term Yankees and Yanks because it was e easier for headlines. Um, so that's basically how they started being called the Yankees. So anyways, as far as how the Yankees did, and um, I mean, the, back in the early 1900s, usually most franchises, when they start out, they usually aren't that good. Um, but 1904, their second year, they finished in second place. And uh, one of those years, 1906, uh, the Boston Americans actually beat out the Yankees. Boston Americans, of course, were the Boston Red Sox. And the Red Sox were really the team that was the, the, the best team in the American League at the time. Um, but their, the Yankees, the, or the New York Highlanders, the closest they ever got to winning the pennant was, um, was in 1921. So they were still a ways away from that um, being in 1904-1906. Uh, Boston Americans actually, they uh, they won the American League pennant 1903 and 1904. They also won the first World Series ever against the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, if you weren't aware. But I, I think that's a pretty well-known fact, but it's kind of interesting. It's part of baseball history. And um, also it's kind of part of the Yankee history because the Red Sox Yankee rivalry is just it's just that's kind of really the big the roots of the Yankee rivalry and the Red Sox rivalry um, and we'll get into more of that later. Uh, so the American League and the National League they they could not work out a World Series contract I guess also for 1904 when the Yankees actually they ended up I guess they ended up uh, they they lost I guess the deciding game to the Boston Americans so they had a chance if there was a World Series they could have made the World Series that year. But of course, they ended up, they didn't have a World Series. However, they did have a pitcher named Happy Jack Chesbro, 
uh, who set the record that year, which is a record that probably will never, I don't think will ever be broken. He had 41 wins um, that year. And if, uh, the reason why I don't think that record will ever be broken is because, you know, starters nowadays, they don't even make 41 starts. Um, typically, the the average starter or the most starts a starter can make nowadays is like 34 starts, 33 or so. Um, but that's about it. Um so it's just it's a whole different game too. And back then they they didn't really rest pitchers anywhere near like they do now. And there was really no pitch count at all. Um, but anyways, uh, moving on to hill back to Hilltop Park. Um, the maximum attendance amount that they could have at the park was sixteen thousand. But they also had a standing room attendance of ten thousand, and that's kind of part of the drawbacks of Hilltop Park again. Uh, Hilltop Park didn't see a whole lot of people. Um, and I, I guess there was some, a section of the bleachers where they, they couldn't have any fans because that's, they had like a black tarp or, or something like that o- over it for the batter's eye, um, which is um, most parks, even nowadays, they, they have to have center field has to be an, a certain, um, like, like a lot of times on the video board, they, can, they can't have like a video playing because it'll distract the hitters and stuff. So they, there's certain restrictions on that. Um, by baseball. However, uh, 1911, the original polo grounds of, of where the New York Giants played in, um, the, it had burned down. So uh, part of that season, the New York Giants had to share uh, Hilltop Park with the New York Highlanders for two months um, because they, uh, I guess it was only it was only partially burned down the original polo grounds, but they obviously couldn't play in it, so they had to make a lot of renovations. Um, so they played in uh, Hilltop Park for two months. And then after that, they went back to their park. Um, however, I mean, Hilltop Park was, I guess it was not a very good park. I mean, like I said, they rushed it. So when it was in 1912 was when the New York Highlanders first wore pinstripes. And they still weren't called the New York Yankees yet. But obviously it was becoming more and more popular of a nickname, I'm sure. Um, so in 1913, um, the uh, both the Giants and the Yankees um, they again shared the polo grounds again with all the renovations by this point. Um, but the Yankees had to rent; they had to pay rent from the New York Giants to uh, share the polo grounds, and that's kind of that kind of uh, created a little bit of a you know when two different teams have to have to share a place and they have to rent it. It kind of creates a little bit more friction, and I think there was this kind of created a pretty big rivalry too with the New York Giants and the New York Yankees or the New York Highlanders, um, but. Anyways, uh, the the reasons why they did that was because there was a much bigger seating capacity at the polo grounds, and also I guess uh, the polo grounds was actually I guess it was made of concrete and not wood, which obviously was better. Um, and uh, so, anyways, and the same year too, the Yankees ended up dropping the nickname Highlanders and going with the nickname the New York Yankees. So from 1913. To the present, that's that's they've been the New York Yankees. Then in 1914, Hill, Hilltop Park ends up being becoming demolished, and the Yankees uh, basically they just rented out the polo grounds from the Giants until obviously until you get to the Yankee Stadium. Um, uh, so and then by 1915, the owners Frank Farrell and Bill Devery, um, retired uh, police chief of New York City, like I mentioned, they ended up selling the Yankees to Colonel Jacob Rupert. Um, who was probably heard of before Hall of Fame owner of the Yankees? I think he was. Uh, uh, I think he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, actually not long ago anyway. Um, but Colonel Jacob Rupert and Colonel Houston, who was I guess a good friend of Colonel Jacob Rupert, um, 
And uh, Frank Farrell and Bill Devereaux ended up selling the New York Yankees for $1.25 million. So from 18000 to $1.25 million. And this was back in 1915 as well. So you could imagine what people must have thought about that. But anyways, uh, Colonel Jacob Rupert, um, he was a, um, a member of the House of Representatives um, representing New York. Um, at the time, uh, from 18, 1899 to 1907, and he was also a brewer. I guess he, they had his family had their own brewery, um, and he was also a colonel in, in the Seventh Regiment of the New York National Guard in 1886 as well, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but in 1917, a couple of years after that, because the Yankees really didn't have a whole lot of, um, they didn't have a whole lot happening um, between like really. 1903 to 1920 or so until Babe Ruth came. But in 1917, the Yankees had their first no-hitter, and it was by a pitcher named George Mogridge, who was a left-handed pitcher. And George Mogridge um, helped the Yankees win the game 2-1, to one, and it was at Fenway Park as well, which is traditionally a tough place to pitch for left-handed pitchers. Then in 1918, there was a manager, the Yankees got a new manager, Miller Huggins, um, also known as Mighty Mike. Miller Huggins, uh, 1918 to 1919, the Yankees finished fourth and third place, which they kind of did a lot of um, back then. I mean, they even finished in last back in like, I think it was uh, was a few times, uh, a few times within 1900 to 19. Uh, 1918 or really like 1917 or so under Miller Huggins they were pretty much an average team until Ruth got there that was in 1920 when you know of course the Yankees purchased Babe Ruth from the Red Sox for $125,000 and um, also another thing I didn't realize about that purchase was uh, they also purchased a $350,000 loan against the mortgage on Fenway Park as well so I thought that was kind of interesting. But at the time, Harry Vizee, Red Sox owner, um, you know, of course, he was trying to produce that play, no, 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 net. And he had, he was also trying to, there was a lot of trades he was trying to make and he was trying to sell, uh, he, was, he was trying to sell a lot of contracts so that he could uh, produce that play and probably other plays that was well, I would imagine maybe. But some other trades that he was um, also doing was um, he had, Ended up trading Dutch Leonard, who was a pitcher, Duffy Lewis, Ernie Shore, to the New York Yankees as well for Ray Caldwell, Slim Love, and Frank Gilhuey, and Roxy Walters, and Cash. And then there was another trade, um, pitcher Carl Mays went to the Yankees in 1919, who was, I think it was actually a pretty good pitcher. I'm not sure if, I don't think he was a Hall of Famer, but I'm, I'm not sure on that. But anyways, that was another trade, that another guy they, they sold to the Yankees. Um, I don't think they got anything else, I think they probably just got, they just sold him. After 1919 as well, there was the, the manager of the Red Sox, who managed the Red Sox, I think it was 1917 and 18 or something like that. Um, but Ed Barrow, he managed the Red Sox and helped them win the World Series in 1918. And I guess he was the guy that was credited with um, having uh, Babe Ruth play more in the outfield. Or actually, I think it was Babe Ruth that wanted to play more uh, in the outfield. He wanted to hit more. And so Ed Barrow found a way to he got him and uh, started playing more in the outfield. Um, Barrow, I guess, he knew that for Z, obviously, he was trying to sell a lot of players because he wanted to produce his play and stuff but I guess Barrow ended up he, he tried to warn Harry Frizee about selling Babe Ruth to the Yankees I mean the Red Sox ended up finishing fifth that year so I mean even though Ed Barrow was telling Harry Frizee not to do it he still did it anyway so I mean in a way I guess it just shows you that Harry Frizee just didn't really care at all so now it's time for some trivia the trivia question is who is the only manager in Major League Baseball history to win a World Series without being a player 
either in the major leagues or in the minor leagues. And you can feel free to give the answer. You can uh, email me at historicpinstripes at gmail.com. You can also tweet uh, me at historicnyy. Um, you can also comment on Facebook, um, on any Facebook post that you see or message us. Um, you can uh, comment on Instagram at historicpinstripes as well. So again, the question is, who is the only manager in Major League Baseball history to win a World Series without being a player in either the major leagues or the minor leagues. So after the 1920 season, Ed Barrow ended up resigning from the Red Sox um, because obviously he saw what, you know, Harry Frizzi was just, he wasn't really trying to help the Red Sox. He was just kind of selling players away and trying to get some cash so he can produce his plays, um, especially no no Nanette and I'm sure probably others maybe. Uh, however, so he ended up leaving because his contract was up and he went to the Yankees um, and that was to be their business manager, which nowadays is called general manager. Um, so he became the general manager of the New York Yankees, replacing Harry Sparrow. And he ended up bringing along a, a former Red Sox coach, uh, Paul Critchell, who ended up becoming a, a really good scout with the New York Yankees. Uh, Paul Critchell, even, um, he even scouted Lou Gehrig, I believe, and I think quite a few other guys as well. Um, I believe he was with the Yankees for quite a few years. Um, for a couple of decades at least. And so that is how the Yankees started their franchise from 1900 to uh, 1920 when the Yankees ended up uh, buying Babe Ruth from the Red Sox. Um, so I figured I would leave it off there and next week I will pick it up and we're going to go more into the 1920s and talk a lot more about the 1923 World Series team. And uh, we're getting to more about what happens more with Miller Huggins, Babe Ruth. And we'll get a lot more into how the Yankees did as a team with Babe Ruth, uh, Miller Huggins, because it gets a lot more interesting because at after 1920, 21, and 22, they become a much better team. But before I let you go, I just wanted to mention that the Historic Pinstripes is a proud member of the 4041 Media family with other podcasts such as Psych Your Crime, Free Your Geek, Movie Theater Time Machine, and Honest Fitness Talk with your trainer Nick, I Watched What, and a bunch of other podcasts, some streamers and some YouTubers as well. You can feel free to check out all that stuff on www.4041media.com. So again, thank you all for listening, everyone. And as always, go Yankees!